week on the New Life at Home podcast, I'm chatting with Ian Appleby. A couple of weeks ago, I chatted with Sue, his wife, on the topic of art. This week, I'm chatting with Ian on the topic of music. And Ian's one of those encyclopedias of music. And he takes us around the world and shares with us some of his favourite songs. Thanks, Ian, for coming on the podcast to talk about your love for music. It's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me, Tim. No worries. You're going to take us around the world. You're going to share one song from the US, from the UK, from Australia, and from the rest of the world as well. Tell us a bit about your background and how you grew to appreciate and love music. Well, it all started on my 12th birthday, really, um, when my eldest brother, Bill, gave me um, a transistor radio for, for my birthday. And I discovered this thing called the FM band. And then I discovered this amazing thing called 3 R, which is an alternative music station in Melbourne. And from there, I was just away. Um, it was my transport out of the suburbs. It was my transport out of getting picked on at school. And it opened my eyes to what was out there. Hmm. And is that something that has grown over time uh, through your life? Yeah, it certainly has. Um, I gave my life to the Lord um, in my teens, and it was the best decision I ever made in my entire life, um, Mm. amongst lots of other important decisions. But as I was growing, we we were not a well-off family. We were quite poor, really. And somehow I kind of got the mistaken idea that that was God's will, that, that it was important if you're a Christian to be poor and to avoid too much pleasure, too much stuff, um, too much money. Money was the big no-no. Mm. And so for quite a long time, probably until my late 20s, I kind of carried this in- incorrect idea around. That affected my taste in music as well. It was very much a guilty pleasure for quite a while. Mm. And there were, there were plenty of times when I just decided that I didn't need to listen to music, let alone own it. Mm. Um, and I tried to make just church music the only part, you know, that was important to me. But from, uh, from some good teaching and studying God's word and, and the help of a lot of friends, I began to see that I was on the wrong track, that actually God is a lot more generous than that. And really what changed my mind was the excellent teaching of my vicar of the time, uh, Reverend Dr. Peter Adam, who was the, uh, the minister at my church, St. Jude's Carlton in Melbourne at the time. And um, I remember him teaching about the Garden of Eden, that God said to Adam and Eve, you can help yourself to any one of these trees in this garden, except that one. And I thought about that. And, and Peter explained that this isn't a bad way to think about our morality, that God mm. has some very specific things he wants us to avoid. But he gives us freedom to access everything else. And that's the case with music. There's definitely music we need to avoid, Mm. but there's so much else um, that we can enjoy and experience and discover. Yeah, well, let's dive into some of that now on our journey around the world. We'll start with Australia. Mm. You've got a song that you've picked that you love uh, that comes out of Australia, comes from Australia, from one of our favourite Aussie bands, I think we can say, as Aussies. Yeah, sure. Hunters and Collectors. One of of our favourites and one of our... Poor, poorest treated bands they 
broke up with virtually no money. Um, uh, and <laughs> how, come, how come that was the case? Uh, they were basically a socialist collective. They had about 12 members and they decided to share the money equally, <laughs> okay. which meant that the guy who ran the show, Mark Seymour, who wrote all the songs and organised all the gigs, and he, he got a twelfth of the money, which wasn't very much, uh, despite the fact that he did about three quarters of the work. Um, <laughs> now, that was really significant with this song, um, a mm-hmm. song called Say Goodbye, if anyone knows it. It's, it's a song about... Uh, a man who's having uh, some hassles with his girlfriend. And uh, in the definitive version, it's a live version, um, the band is getting the audience, mostly guys, to sing together, uh, you don't make me feel like I'm a woman anymore. Um, (laughs) And that was really a turning point for the Hunters because before that they had been like an indie band from inner city Melbourne and they decided they needed to make some money. So they turned up their amps and played bought some guitars and started to make real sort of anthem rock. Mm. Um, but this was really at the cusp. So it was a bit of both. So they were still trying to uh, subvert and confuse people, but they were also trying to get people to dance. And this is a really danceable song. Nice. Do you remember the first time you heard it or the first time you danced to it, maybe? Um, not, not a big... Well, I, no, I love to dance. I'm a <laughs> terrible dancer, but I do love to dance. Um, uh I, I don't remember well, but I have to say I don't go to gigs very much. Uh, I remember getting the record, Human Frailty, and it just blowing the top of my head off. It, I'm one of those people, and I think there's a lot more of us out there than admit it, who, when we hear a certain piece of music, the hairs literally stand up. And I can feel it. If I'm, I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt at the moment, and just thinking about the song, the shirt's getting a bit uncomfortable because the <laughs> hairs want to stand up. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. So Hunters and Collectors say yes. goodbye. That's that's your song from Australia. Let's jump on a plane. We can't go there at the moment, obviously, really. No. But let's go to the UK. Massive centre for for music and uh, shaping pop music mm. and that kind of thing. Yes. What have you got from the UK for us, Ian? Well, um, I've chosen a Beatles song. I think... Um, uh, really, for, for people who like pop, pop music of any kind, they tend to be four classes labelled as Beatles people, uh, Stones people, um, Elvis people and Dylan people. And I'm a Beatles person <laughs> and I reckon the Beatles people are the real pop music enthusiasts because the Beatles transformed popular music. They just took it from being you know, the best at what was going on at the time in the early 60s to basically turning it into what the Beatles said it was, which was beautifully produced, beautifully written, beautifully performed, short pieces of music. Um, hmm. And uh, the thing about Here Comes the Sun is it was right at the end of their career uh, before they split up. And it was George, George Harrison. Everyone was talking about Paul and John, but it was George who wrote this amazing song. Hmm. We had it at our wedding and uh, it just makes people happy. It, when, when Beck got up and sang it, uh, I think people just felt more switched on to the fact that this was going to be a very happy occasion. Mm, it's a great song. My daughters Wonderful. love it. My daughters yeah, love that right. song. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those, one of those classics. Mm. Such a simple song, but it is. so profound as well. Yeah, mm. simple and complex. Sim- mm. Simplicity and complexity is almost what defines a good pop song. Um, mm. The band Indian band Monsoon talked about this that they use very complex rhythms, and yet you can barely notice because they're wrapped up in a four-minute pop song. Mm. Yeah. And the Beatles were masters of that of of that art. Of yeah, just think about that that intro, uh, George's guitar intro. 
It sounds so simple and so natural, but it must have taken him months to perfect. So the Beatles, here comes the sun. Well, let's mm. go to the US now. Okay. Another part of the world, another big part of the world. Yeah. What have you got for us from the United States of America? Yeah, so apologies to all of those who aren't part of the Anglosphere, but um, the reality <laughs> is that popular music is rather dominated by English-speaking countries, and the US is the most obvious example. Um, talking you, you're heads, not into You're not into K-pop? Oh, <laughs> uh, I... I'm, I'm open. I'm open to new experiences. <laughs> I, I'm willing to. I'm willing to learn when it comes to K-pop. Oh. I think it's probably more about the dance than the music. Though. Yeah, I got. I know nothing about it. Anyway, so what you're talking <laughs> heads? Right. We're talking heads. Um, so, yeah, um, they have a closer relationship with hunters and collectors than might be known because both bands went to see each other play when they were in each other's countries, and the hunters weren't very impressed. But uh, Talking Heads were this uh, indie alternative band that, like Hunters, realised after a record or two that they had to get funky. And the song I've chosen is Burning Down the House, um, which is a very funky track. The Mm. live version in particular on their album Stop Making Sense. And what's really amazing about this album is that they hooked up with another band, a black band called Parliament. And... uh, Parliament uh, changed what Talking Heads sounded like, made it bigger, brassier, funkier, and more exciting. Um, mm. And uh, that song, although it's a scary song, it's got some pretty scary lyrics, is very exciting and very danceable. Mm. What, what's scary about it? Look, if you li- read the lyrics carefully, you realise that it's actually all about somebody who just loses it after all the pressure of being uh, forced into a kind of a life of conformity. And I think the heads themselves, particularly Byrne, was really feeling that at that stage um, with all their contracts and their obligations. They were starting to feel like they were beholden to the man and they couldn't really make the music they wanted to because they couldn't afford to. They they wouldn't be making enough money. And uh, it was was driving them crazy and so they decided to make a song about it. (laughs) Yeah, wow. But uh, I wouldn't encourage anybody listening to this podcast or that song to burn down a house. <laughs> That's good. I'm Regardless glad. of how frustrated you might feel. <laughs> I'm glad that you're not, Ian. I love it how you've got this category of rest of the world, mm. uh, your final category. What have you got for us from the rest of the world? Yeah, it's terribly unfair because, um, you know, we started talking about three parts of the world that make up perhaps a quarter of the world's population. Um, and now we're talking about the other three quarters. Um <laughs> I chose this song because it's kind of crazy and zany and weird and silly. Um, the song uh, Happy Together by The Turtles, but not the original version, the um, Leningrad Cowboys version in concert with the Red Army Choir. Now, <laughs> Leningrad Cowboys, on the one hand, are a band, um, but they're not from Leningrad, they're from Helsinki. And <laughs> the Red Army Choir is not a, a band, it's a choir, and it's actually still a regular part of the Russian armed forces. So the ability to hook these two up together, I don't know how they did it, but the song itself is a wonderful song because like all the four songs Mm. I've chosen, it just makes you happy to listen to it. Mm. It just cheers you up. Um, But it's also incredibly silly because you have these classically trained tenors trying to sing this silly pop song um, (laughs) along to, you know, guitars and Mm. an orchestra. I did enjoy you playing it for me before we started the interview, yeah. Ian. Yeah. You should check it out if you uh, get a chance later, people. Yeah. It's a great, 
great track. And any Lots band called the Leningrad Cowboys yes. is worth a listen, surely. At least Please. check them out. <laughs> yeah, or at least have a look on online at the shoes they wear. Very silly shoes. Mm. Well, thanks for taking us around the world, sure. from Australia to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Now, we're on a New Life podcast. Mm. You know, we're a church. And, yeah, Christian music is something that would be worth chatting about. Mm. Of course, not all music is Christian music. And as you've shown us and helped us to see, we can enjoy lots of music, whether it's explicitly Christian or not, Mm. um, because God's given us all kinds of things to enjoy. But what do you have to say for us about Christian music? Are there particular bands um, that you would recommend? Well, the first thing I think I want to say is that the church has room in it for people that like pop music, classical music, jazz music, Christian music, no music. So there's plenty of room in the church for people who don't like music. Mm. And uh, I have a lot of respect for people who made the decision to only listen to explicitly Christian music. I think that's not a bad decision to make, if particularly if that's how you're inclined. Um, I have quite a lot of Christian music. Um, and I was talking to Tim about a particular favourite of mine called Switchfoot. They're a Californian band. And mm. they just seemed to hit a groove um, a decade or two ago with three wonderful albums, which I'd recommend to be listened to together. Uh, All three back to back? Just, yeah, put your headphones on, turn the lights out, give yourself three hours and listen to Nothing Is Sound, uh, The Beautiful Letdown and Oh Gravity. And together they just represent this amazing skill of presenting how Christians feel to the rest of the world uh, in a really skillful and well-produced way. That, that just touches me. So that's something I'd encourage people to mm. give a listen to if they have, a, have the time. And there's obviously lots of music you can buy, lots of Christian music you can buy or mm. music that goes under the Christian genre anyway at, yes. at Coorong, but there's yep. stuff as well that you can access and, and yep. find in other places too, isn't there? Yeah, it certainly is. Um, I mentioned to Tim earlier about a musician called John Michael Talbot um, who's very important around the traps in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Um, Catholic, uh, a folk singer, but very important for Protestants and evangelicals, uh, youth youth groups of the time, in just leading people back to an appreciation of God's word in music. Mm. So there's, there's so many directions you can head in. Uh, God's people have been very busy. And can I just add as well that, you know, the in some ways the most important and life-giving um, experience of music is when we go to church and, and we mm. sing uh, together. I, I just love that. And mm. um, I both appreciate you know, being together with the body of Christ and singing out those, those songs. And I also really appreciate uh, Simeon and Grace Duncan and other members of NLPC putting together some clips for our uh, church at home. That's been really fantastic. So thank you very much to all of them. Big shout out to the Musos at church. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a wonderful experience. It's very much appreciated. Well, thanks Ian so much for joining me on the New Life at Home podcast to chat about music and also share a little bit about yourself and your faith and what your musical tastes are. A pleasure. Thanks very much for asking. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of New Life at Home with Ian Appleby. I hope you enjoyed going around the world, 
hearing from Ian about some of his favourite music and also just getting to know him a little bit better as he shared his life with us. Next week on the podcast, I'll be chatting with Mike Adams. At New Life, we have a partnership with Goulburn Presbyterian Church and Mike is the pastor there. Mike's going to chat with us about how he and his family have settled into life in Goulburn and share a little bit about what ministry has looked like for them. 